Hello and welcome to the very first A Nerdy Journey podcast episode, the podcast where we talk to filmmakers about their journeys into the entertainment industry. I'm AK Moore and I'm a media manager and post producer at a commercial production company here in Los Angeles. I've also co-produced two independent features and have worked as a sound mixer and colorist on several other films. My guest today is my good friend, producer-director Julia Tranfalia. She's currently in pre-production directing her first horror feature while producing several video ads for companies like Thought Industries. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the first episode of A Nerdy Journey. So let's see how this goes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, well, uh, as one of my oldest LA friends and uh, longest collaborators, it's only fitting to have you on as one of the uh, first people. And uh, to that end, I know that you have a lot of very exciting projects that you are working on coming up, and I will get to that towards the end, but let's start at the beginning of your journey. What first got you into filmmaking to begin with? Well, it wasn't something that I thought could be a career. I know a lot of people say that, but it was very much just a joy for me out of getting to watch movies with my family and connecting. And, you know, in my free time as a kid, I would watch all the behind the scenes on DVDs and VHS, the featurettes. And I just thought it was so magical seeing how they made fantasy come to life and just all the different elements that got brought together. I just thought it was the most amazing thing. And, you know, when it came time to decide what I wanted to do with my future and my career, Eventually, it made sense to me that a lot of my interests kind of all converged in filmmaking and videography and whatnot. And so I thought, you know what, let's go into that field. Uh, Did you make that decision before you went to college or when you were already at college? I made that decision in high school looking at colleges. So very much did the whole film school thing and and tried to go a traditional route into a very non-traditional career. (laughs) Uh, And that's because I just... You know, I was debating engineering and more technical fields. And I think there are a lot of those aspects in filmmaking that made that make sense for me at the time. And, you know, I found Emerson and it had that creative aspect that I really loved. And I just thought, you know, I think I can make money doing this. When you were searching for next steps, so you were going to college, was there ever a moment where you thought, should I just try to go right into the industry or were you always going to college no matter what? College was something that was really valued at my public school. You know, it was very much the thing you're supposed to do. Yeah. (laughs) And so for me, I think I just, I didn't come from connections. I didn't come from a place that had a lot of filmmaking. You know, I'm from Massachusetts and now there's more of an industry, but at the time I think I needed that structure and that network and those resources to just get off the ground, I I didn't know where to begin. You know, there wasn't somebody I could really talk to that would be like, oh, you know, try this, come out to LA, work this job. Like I I had none of that. So I think for me, college really was a nice first step. I guess it lets you make mistakes in a safer environment, even though sometimes the professors don't always make it feel like it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, And even that intro of like, oh, here's, here's what a film is. Here's like the first directors that ever made cameras, you know, it just those resources and that network of collaborators and that safe space to make mistakes is so invaluable. Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, when you were deciding on colleges, obviously you just said that you wanted to, you wanted to major in film. You did, you made that decision before uh, you went to college, that that's what you wanted to do. So that obviously influenced where you went. Um, What other factors besides just knowing that you wanted to go into filmmaking made you choose Emerson? It was really tough because financially uh, it was not an easy choice for me. And particularly with filmmaking, you know, you can go and study videography, broadcast, uh, you know, filmmaking, they're all very different and different colleges will provide you different resources. Emerson spoke to me because it was in my home city. It was a smaller school, so you'd get more one-on-one time with professors, which I really valued. I didn't want to just be a number. And they're much more indie filmmaking based, 
which I really appreciated. And it was filmmaking specific. You know, I debated other schools like UMass Amherst, but I think it would have been a very different path and a different um, situation to be learning in. So Emerson just was like, that was it for me. That makes sense. And when it comes to, obviously, getting the education is only maybe like a third of the battle, <laughs> if that. Because, you know, there I'm sure I'll have guests on in the future that will debate whether or not college was or was not worth it. For you, would you say college was worth it? It was worth it for me because it led to so many things. And I don't think it's worth it for everyone. Let me caveat that. I think it's great and it can provide so many resources. And even later in life, if you go to film school, I know we have friends that have done that and found a lot of value in it. But plenty of people don't and they don't need to spend all that money and they can just maverick their way in and go different routes. I mean, this industry is so much about make it your own and make it your own path. There is no set path is what everybody will tell you. But for me, it really helped. And I wouldn't have met any of the people I've met, including you, yeah. if I hadn't gone. So I guess that that is one of the more interesting points, which is the connections that you build. Do you feel like uh, that was more or less one of the biggest things to come out of uh, your I guess, college days? Yeah, it gave me a start, you know, getting to meet different people, getting connected to internships. It wasn't though that like college necessarily gave me those internships. It just, I think, opened my eyes up to the opportunities that were out there. And, you know, you get your first director that you're like, I'm going to PA for you, or you get your first you know, random set that you'll be a part of, and it leads to the next one and the next one. And that's kind of what it was as a starting place. And even that that shorthand of being like, oh, I'm from Emerson or like, oh, I went to Emerson back in the day. And somebody else who's 20 years older than you is like, oh, me too. You know, that that ended up leading to a faster connection in the workplace for me. Nice. That I mean, I have a lot of very similar stories where I can directly track back to the job that I currently have going to UCF. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, it is it is very convoluted, but if I did not go there, I would not be where I am today. Uh, for Through very, very loose, this person who I went to school with recommended me to this job that then that person got another job that then brought me on. And yeah, it's, it, it's definitely convoluted, but you can track it back to where I went. And I mean, obviously I can't say that had I gone somewhere else, I wouldn't be at a better place or a worse place. You don't know, but... I definitely think for myself as well, the networking and just making truly lifelong good friendships was one of the best things to come from it. Honestly. And, and uh, I guess in terms of getting industry experience, you also uh, interned out in LA uh, before you did, I guess your full final, I'm going to live here uh, decision. Uh, how did you get that internship? Ooh. That was, that was a tough summer, I remember, because I graduated early, so I had like only half a semester, and that was my senior year, and it was going to be out here. And I took the LA semester through Emerson as my opportunity to move out here and to try to figure out who I was going to live with first off. And, you know, it's a requirement that you get an internship out here. And I was up to the minute. I was interviewing at production companies in my Airbnb before moving in. You know, I, I kicked my whole family out. I was like, I, I'm going to take the Zoom call. Like, let me let me focus. Uh, and I had had my internship with one of my long term clients at that time that I still, you know, produce and direct for Thought Industries. And the people there were so supportive as I was like desperately trying to to get an internship. But I was very lucky that I ended up interning with Film Nation uh, Entertainment. And they're very much your classic indie, bigger budget, wonderful production company and it, yeah that helps <laughs> uh and their films were just so inspiring to me early on so I felt very blessed to be there and to to be a part of it at that time obviously we've both been through the rat race of uh internship applications and job applications to begin with what how do you feel like uh, you landed the internship that you had. Was it just through an online application? Did you know somebody there? Like, how mm -hmm. did your school help you? What do you think uh, were the things that led you to successfully landing that? 
I won't lie, the name Emerson on my resume didn't hurt. <laughs> Um, not that it secured it for me. It's just one of those things as part of the interview process. They're looking at your experience and they say, oh, you did this internship. Oh, you know this thing. Uh, and I interviewed and I found, God, I don't even remember how I found them anymore. I mean, I do remember I found Thought Industries, which was a paid internship, one of the few. That was on Handshake, which was like a LinkedIn for college students. But Film Nation, I might have direct applied, honestly. You know, I just had to hunt down these different companies and see where I wanted to go. I remember looking up HBO and it's such a big pool of applicants. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. But yep. you just got to do your homework, you know? Yeah. I. The only reason I had my internship out here is because one of my friends uh, worked on a set in Orlando uh, and the production company was based in Los Angeles and they told him that he could intern over the summer there. And so I'm like, Hey, do you know if they have any other internships available? Cause I applied everywhere. And I was, you know, the standard, you're not even getting rejected. You're not even hearing back, uh, which is that lovely sense of, you know, when you're applying to HBO and NBC and all these other ones. And I just remember him saying, yeah, I think they do have one more available. He gave me the number of the producer to call. We scheduled an interview and, um, I got the, the job, like a month before I had to, uh, come out here for the internship. And, oh boy, was that, that was, I, that was probably one of the more stressful moments of my college life. <laughs> She's like, like, what, what are you doing if you don't get that internship? And it's so hard. They, they make you jump through so many hoops. Um, boy, just like you do, I wish I had some nepotism on my side. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely helps. I'm not going to lie. It uh, really does. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I will never hold that against anybody who had, you know, who's able to get where they want to go. I like doctors, lawyers, everywhere. It's, it's just that's the way the world is. As long as history has been around, it's did you know that or is your family member one of those people? OK, great. You can now work in the family practice. It's just obviously when you're in the public eye as an actor or something, it's a lot more, it's a lot clearer. But to, to that end, you know, I don't fault anybody for using the their maximum resources. I would do the same if I could. Good. I mean, that's yeah. The, yeah, right. It's not even just nepotism, like, oh, you're one in the family. And, you know, because you're my nephew, you're going to get it. It's also yeah. like, oh, you're a trusted friend. I know you, you're reliable. You're going to show up and actually do yeah. the work. So I don't have to worry. That can also be nepotism, but not in the way that everybody, I think, paints it so negatively i mean it's just this whole industry is built on trust yeah so if you don't have that then you can't be hiring people and the nepotism is that shorthand yeah i i definitely cannot recommend you know people to jobs if i don't know what their work ethic is and how do i trust them if somebody says hey do you have a pa or a first ac or somebody who you know you can recommend to me I need to know that when I send you there, you're not going to embarrass me because then that person won't ask me again and then I'm out of a job. It's true. It's true. It's, it's very rough. I mean, it reputa reputation is everything. And I fully understand why, you know, when you're a college student right out of college trying to break into the industry, everybody is so hesitant to want to hire you because it is like a if you screw up, it's their ass on the line for it. And you know, that's probably more of an issue with expectations and how we run things in general more so than, you know, uh, an indictment. That's just an indictment on how the system is run in general. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. There's uh, there should be a little bit more room for error, especially if you know, you're brand new. <laughs> you should be allowed to be brand new and make a mistake. That's what that is the gist of what my uh, very exhausted end of the week brain is trying to say. <laughs> I feel that and very much I'm in that boat after this week. You know, yeah. mistakes are important learning experiences. Yeah. And I take similar but different. My, my saying is rejection is just redirection, you know? Sure. That, that, I, I think, um, you know. The one story we all cling to with that is Harry Potter, right? You know, you always hear about, well, J.K. Rowling had to go to X amount of publishers before she got it done. It's just believing in yourself and what you're doing and getting to find the right person who is willing to take that leap as well. Exactly. Um, and then, so you landed the internship. Um, mm -hmm. You did that for summer. How long did you have that internship for? From August to December of yeah, so that would be like five, six months. Uh, wow. And yeah, I was also working at the time. And 
then, you know, you're out in the world, you're living in LA and I've been freelancing since day one. Um, many people take different routes. And I remember one of the things that I was advised after Film Nation was, you know, if you want to work here and be an assistant one day, you have to go be an assistant at agencies first and get your sea legs. So, I mean, that's, that's a very different route that I didn't take, you know, road less travel, road less traveled or other, you know, diverging roads, whatever it might be. You know, that's another route people can take is go be an assistant or an executive assistant somewhere, go learn from the people doing the work. And agencies are such a crux of the whole industry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I do know people who have done the agency route. Uh, it's not for me, me neither. <laughs> at all. I wholly respect anybody who is able to go through that, survive and make a good career for themselves. Uh, and I know a lot of times they say that they only want to take people who want to do agency work. And I fully get that. Um, I mean, we all lie on every single resume when we say that that's the job that we want because we just need a job. Um, <laughs> you know, I know people who have applied to the DGA uh, assistant directors program who said, yes, I want to be a I want to be an assistant director and fully knowing that they want to be a uh, director, which they are not looking for in the DGA program to begin with. But you know, you have to get your start somewhere. And if you're willing to do the job for X amount of time to get the experience while you build up the other side of your portfolio of what you want to do, you know, you still have to pay bills. You still have to gain experience and, you know, get that how you can. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's something interesting about your situation, because when I trying to think back about talking about, you know, how'd you get your first job in LA or how'd you get your first production job? You kind of had that already when you moved out here with Thought Industries. Can you talk a little bit about that? So as I kind of mentioned, while I was applying to internships in LA, I had already been a paid intern of Thought Industries in Boston. Uh, and when I moved out here after that, you know, when my internship there was done and I was starting Film Nation, they were like, you know, we love your work. Why don't you just stay on and freelance for us, produce and direct as needed. And I've been doing work for them ever since. And the beauty of that is it's always given me freedom to do other projects, other clients as well. And so some of the other jobs I would take, you know, very Maverick style my first few months out here. It's like Facebook groups, finding PA jobs, finding assistant camera jobs, you know, second AC in particular. Yeah. Um, just any kind, you know, I gaffed. I, I, at that point when I was graduating college, I wanted to be a cinematographer. And as I was coming out here and working in the industry, you know, I think you start to figure out what you're good at and what lifestyle is going to work for you. And I sort of fell more and more into producing and directing. And TI, I think, gave me that kind of foundation to realize, oh, I can do this. And then I started collaborating with people like you, like Michael, and, you know, doing short films and doing other commercial work. And I just kind of realized, yeah, okay, that's what I should be doing. <laughs> Awesome. And I guess what Thought Industries gave you is you're, you are their internal director, producer, editor of all their video content, essentially. Am I correct in saying that? Yes and no. I'm not internal. Uh, okay. It's that I, yeah, I've, I've freelanced for them, but, you know, I've worked with them for, God, like five and a half, probably going on six years now. And so as a longtime business client of mine, you know, I think there's a lot of personal trust there too, right? We talk about nepotism earlier. It's not even nepotism like, oh, you know, you knew somebody and you got the job. It was more along the lines of, we trust you. We've seen the work you're doing. And I think that's a, probably the best advice I could give somebody trying to get a more creative or above line job is no one's going to pay you to do something until they know you can do it. <laughs> because you, you wouldn't hand somebody like 10K and say, hey, please go make this thing for me. And then yeah. they can't at all because you have no idea that if they're going to be able to deliver or not. So I think that's why it was such a great opportunity for me. And I got lucky in that way that I had those opportunities early on. You, you just made an interesting point and uh, specifically about people needing to know that you can do the job. Um, I know we mentioned this briefly earlier, uh, but what it reminded me of is uh, student films, for example, or short films in general. Uh, there's always the question of, are short films worth it? And I think the answer is yes and no, depending on what you're trying to do. I think if you're trying to become uh, 
the next uh, person who gets a Marvel movie because they directed a short film? I think the answer is probably <laughs> that's not the best route to do uh, because, you know, short films that are great for a lot of things. It teaches you how to do stuff on the micro scale. It teaches you, you know, it, it production management, directing, co you know, everything that you need to do on a micro scale. And it, just because it's micro scale doesn't mean it's not hard. Making a short film is ridiculously hard. Getting people's schedules to line up, getting the money to just even feed people equipment, all that stuff. It teaches you so much just right there. Now, if you think you're going to get immediately into competitions and win a bunch and then get a feature film, tailor your expectations. Because uh, <laughs> What to me, what they are, and from what I've seen a lot of even agents posting about on LinkedIn on whether or not short films are worth it, getting them into festivals to win and stuff like that should not be your end goal. Your end goal should be learning and building a portfolio for yourself mm -hmm. so you can get people like for you, TI, to hire you because it proves that you can do the work, if nothing yeah. else. Honestly, you made me just remember, you know, I had built a real in college from the projects I did. And that's what got me thought industries because they could see, oh yeah, she can certainly produce something. Yeah. And then from there, it's been the same thing, right? You know, I, I had music videos I had made. Michael entrusted me to direct some period pieces, some more short films mm -hmm. from those, you know, we did more, we did civil defense, red Rover. And you know, that project that we did together, has opened up so many more doors because again, people are like, oh yeah, she can direct, you know, yeah. like I can trust her to do this other project then. And it's the same thing. You do have to build up a portfolio and that's something I'm definitely continuing to do because there's all kinds of projects out there, you know, even within just commercial world, there's such variety. So same with short films and, you know, working on my first feature now, it's, very much that a short film is like a tenth of a feature. It's all the same components, but it's 10 times that, <laughs> you know, 10 times over. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, I feel like sometimes with more money, projects can get a little bit easier. Um, and harder. It's and har in, in different ways. Because when you're producing on a micro budget scale, everything is a big deal. You have zero money to screw up anywhere. You can't do reshoots. Like there's always stress of not having enough money but it also doesn't cost as much money to do things. When you're working on a bigger scale, you also can't waste money, but there is, depending on the budget, I'm not saying this is everything, but depending on the budget, there is a little bit more room for reshoots. Like that, that's literally part of the Marvel model or had been, I don't know, based on all the new rules and stuff that are getting put in place that that will continue to be. But reshoots is literally part of the budget, is knowing that they're gonna go back and redo stuff. And you don't get that on the micro scale. So if anything, it trains you to at least have a good habit to try to get stuff right the first time and for as efficient and little as money as possible. Um, so, you know, there's definitely really good transferable skills there from the micro to uh, the feature length, which is once again, if that's what you're going into and why you think a feature will, or doing a short will be worth it, great. Just, you know, don't expect to get into can and win. No, no. The entire that the entire awards industry is its own animal that I don't even want to touch on today. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other topic. They they certainly have their value in place in the industry, but yeah. it's it's more of a validator, I would say, that your project really is mm -hmm. like worthy of of viewership or has achieved something. And I think then people are like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, it gives you a check of approval, basically. <laughs> yes, um, hopefully a paycheck of approval at some point. Yeah, that's, that's the hope, you know, it keeps cycling into to bigger and more and, yeah. you know, indie filmmaking is so, so fascinating for that. Because as you were saying about Marvel movies and reshoots, you don't really have that. You have a budget and it's usually within constraints and you have to really get creative about how you leverage that. Mm -hmm. um, and short films, I think, are very similar, but that's why those can tend to be big learning experiences and, and where you can prove yourself. Absolutely. And do you think that, um, do you think in your uh, trajectory to where you're at now, because you're, you're close to six years now out here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and me <laughs> both. You're close to six. I mean, we're still babies out here by far, but we're both doing a lot and we've worked on a lot of things. Looking back at everything you've done to get to where, to get you to where you're currently at, you obviously did a lot of uh, low pain and no pain jobs. 
what is what have you determined to be like a good rule of thumb when deciding which of those are worth it or do you do you think they're worth it at all yeah for sure so i take this kind of threefold one going back to you gotta you know prove you can do the thing to people before they can trust you with more and more money so to an extent yes it's valuable but to know your worth you know i think of it as real resume and relationships when i'm considering any project or job if money's not there you know rate um then you know it has to be worth it for your real resume or the relationships you're going to build there uh and so if it's a free project that doesn't really have all those other aspects then you really need to consider how worth it it really is for you um oh man losing my train of thought on that one but basically good you just have to really balance that out. You can't, plenty of people will take advantage of you and it's not always malignant, the intent, but you have to be honest with yourself, have good boundaries and ah, there we go, I'm back on it. You have to make this life out here sustainable. So if you're constantly only doing free projects and you're making no money and you can't afford your rent, well, that's not gonna work, you know? Are you but saying if- that LA is expensive? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, but not as bad as New York rent. My goodness. Every time I'm like, oh, New York City would be cool to live in. And then I see five grand for a postage stamp. I'm like, Oof. but L.A. is still a very expensive city. Oh, yeah. And so uh, you mentioned that you did a lot of uh, jobs, PA, gaffer, um, camera assistant. How did you find those jobs while you were out here post internship? Uh, Facebook groups, you know, you start joining a bunch paid LA film and TV jobs. I'm sure I could name drop a bunch more if I really started to look. I think you and I are probably in a lot of the same ones. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a good starting place. I mean, it it is a bit of the wild west. Again, you have to really suss out if it's going to be a good opportunity, if the people are going to take safety seriously, all those kinds of things. Uh, but then once you get one job, you know, and you do a good job and at the end of the day, you said, Hey, great working with you. Thank you so much. Like, can I get your phone number or Instagram so I can stay in contact? You know, then they hit you up again for another job because again, nepotism, they trust you. They saw that you did good job the last time they want to pay you again. Uh, and then it just kind of snowballs from there and you just start getting inroads in different places. But, you know, social media, I think has really helped people start to connect where they wouldn't otherwise. Have you used social media at all to connect with people who you haven't met, but you feel like you'd want to work with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I will even follow people whose work I really like or appreciate or who work for different production companies that I would like to get in with. And uh, it's a really great way to keep up with people and to remember them. I mean, even just the other day, you know, I was trying to hire or help a friend hire a second AC and it was one of those things like, all right, we need them for tomorrow and we need them to be good. Oh, excuse me, not a second AC, but first AC. So, you know, they have to pull focus and make sure everything's in. Quite an important job. <laughs> it's a very important job. There's a lot to it. You make sure the camera's good, go everything. And so I was just literally scrolling through my Instagram, trying to find people who first. Uh, and, you know, I hadn't talked to some of these people in like four or five years, but thankfully with social media and my contacts and things like that, it's much easier to reconnect with people or stay in contact. Mm. And it really does feel good when you're on the side where you can hit somebody else up for a paying job. I can't tell how much I love the feeling of being able to say, hey, can you do this job? As opposed to me having to reach out because the amount of times when you first move out here and you're like, okay, I need to get jobs. I need to just reach out to people and meet up with people as much as possible. And you you want to give back at some point. And when you finally can, it just feels so rewarding. It's really nice. It's, it's giving back, paying it forward and just building that community. Cause I really don't think this is an industry where you have to compete. There are so mm-hmm. many jobs and really it's more about building community and lifting everybody up, you know? Yeah. and trying to help your friend out, but making sure that you're always serving the project and the people on it. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that brings us a little bit closer to today, which is you are now in pre-production on a feature film. Um, I believe I'm correct in saying that this would be your first feature directorial debut? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh Can you talk to me a little bit about how you landed this and what you're doing to get it off the ground? So 
flashback, maybe six months, I had heard from a friend who was DPing this project that there was a writer actor looking for a director and, you know, he was interviewing a bunch of different directors and trying to figure out who would really help bring this to life and honor that vision. Um, at that point, there was a good chunk of the budget ready to go. There was a lot of legs under this, so it got me really excited. I read the script and I just thought, you know, there's something I can really bring to this project. And I think that's the only way as a creative, you should really attach yourself to something. If you don't feel inspired by it or feel like you could bring something to it, then you're not doing project service. But anyway, I could so not agree more <laughs> that what well, there's certain jobs out here that you can learn right on the spot. Like, oh, do you know how to work the red? Uh, yes, I do know how to work a red. <laughs> uh, like there are certain things you can learn on the job. There are other things when it comes to a creative manner that it just takes years of practice. I cannot write Western films. I cannot write horror films. Uh, and I, if somebody comes to me with one, I will tell them straight up, I cannot write this. Yeah, uh, and that's okay. It's better it to you can't and be honest than to screw somebody over by trying to do something that you can't do. And then they're like, well, now I'm out of whatever I've just invested into you. So just, yeah. you know, you, you got to do right by the project. You got to do right by the people. So, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, to, to answer your question, uh, thankfully, he liked me. He hired me and we've been in development and pre-pro ever since building a bunch of amazing amazing special effects everything's going to be done practically it's a horror movie so there's a lot of gore there's like demons and um just it's so amazing i've heard and, the makeup tests are looking amazing oh i'm so glad I'll, I'll i'll show you stuff behind the scenes that i can't share on here but marcel banks is our just incredible special special effects makeup artist and his studio anaglyph is just incredible it's so inspiring and i think that's just the magic when you have creatives that you bring on board that help bring it to life and oh yeah bring it together it's it's beautiful it it feels so good when you can lead a team where everybody feels right yeah oh and that's that's the real sauce i think of being a producer or a director is hiring the right cast and crew for the positions because it's not an ego trip role I know a lot of people treat it that way, but it's really leading a team of people that do all the jobs better than you, you know? That, that's at least how I see it. And I think why I valued early on the experience of working different jobs so that I could have a better idea of what I'm asking somebody to do and honor you know, their needs and the things that they would have to have to do their job well and to lift them up. So yeah, I think that's, that's my favorite part is, is leading from the back if possible. Yeah. I very much agree with needing to know how everything is done. If you don't know like what goes into a job, how can you even begin to know what to expect from somebody? Yeah. Or what you're asking of them. And if it's going to be absolutely impossible, because I've been on that side, right. Of having clients and you know, they, they don't know. And then it's not even like they're trying to ask the world all the time. Sometimes they just don't even know that they are. And I think that's where you really have to lean on, and listen to your creatives who are telling you what's going to be required. And, you know, it's always a balance of creative money and time. That is the, the other producer triangle <laughs> to make sure that it's quality and that it turns out the way you want. Mm -hmm. And so I've been very lucky on this one that, you know, we've had just such excellent creatives and it is just kind of developing in its, in its right time. You, you can't push anything faster than it's meant to go. And that's, that's kind of what I've gotten to the point where it's, I, I don't want to try to punch above my weight class. I just want to do my job and get more and more experience and just grow with everybody else around me. There's no reason to try to insert yourself where you don't belong necessarily, which, you know, you should always try to strive for something, but don't try to, uh, don't put yourself in a position where you can fail miserably and then not want to get hired by anybody again. Yeah, definitely don't put yourself in a bad position where you can, because, you know, that can happen. Um, and talking about, you know, punching above your weight class, I think, too, having the humility to realize that you have more to learn. I think that's that's the endless peaks that you climb in this industry is realizing, oh, I still have so much more to learn in that area. And like the more you learn, the more you realize what you have yet to learn. And I think it's so beautiful when there's 
you know, long-term professionals who want to pass on that knowledge. And I've been very lucky to have a couple of those in my life who've been like, yeah, come shadow me on set. You know, I'm going to go shoot this episode of The Boys or Grace and Frankie, and you can watch me, you know, cam op or, or DP and how I communicate with people. And that osmosis is, I think, how you can start to level up, at least in just your professionalism and the way you decision make. Talking about one of uh, my favorite TV shows at the moment, The Boys, is there <laughs> anything, because you obviously got to shadow somebody on that, which is freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you could tell me that you learned from that experience that you feel like would be helpful for anybody else who's trying to get to that point of working on a show like that? I can tell you two fun little tidbits. One, how I got on, got invited to shadow. Uh-huh. Uh, at the time, I was interning at Real Boston Camera, and Evans Brown, the DP, was doing a whole workshop on Quasar. I believe he's a co-founder of that company. Oh, well, then and, he's doing very well at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Every music video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're great lights. And so after the workshop, I went up and just asked him, you know, hey, I really appreciate this. I think it's so fascinating, uh, and I would love it if I could ask you a couple more questions on what it's like to be a director of photography, a gaffer, et cetera, you know, something I have a real interest in. And he was kind enough to, you know, let me have his email so we could chat after the fact. And through that conversation, invited me to come, you know, watch him work for a day up in Toronto. And so (laughs) my current roommate and I at the time, we just drove up and road tripped and did the whole overnight and watched the magic happen. And you know, we got to walk around set respectfully out of the way. You got to know how your place on a set so that you're not interrupting the work. Uh, and we got to interact with some really amazing crew members of all kinds. You know, the DIT, the camera team, the lighting and G&E team. And there's one quote from the gaffer, Ira, that I'll never forget. <laughs> he was talking about setting up this huge drum light and turning it way, 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 way up. And it's massive and bright and beautiful. And we were asking him, like, how did you decide that this was kind of going to be your lighting setup for this scene? And he's like, well, the whole world is lit by one single light, and it's beautiful. So why complicate it? And I was like, dang, dang, Ira, you, you're spitting wisdom. <laughs> so that's, I think it's just, you know, respect the work, respect the creativity, ask questions, be curious, and, you know, you'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's one of those answers that I used to always get annoyed with of the, oh, you'll figure it out. You're, You're on the right track. And the more that I work in the industry, the more I realize why people say that. It's because nobody can tell you officially how they got in. None of us can tell you exactly what we did other than I reached out to this one person who I went to school with or knew this one person who I had gone to school with and they brought me onto this thing and then I met this person who did this and now I'm a post producer. <laughs> it's like, and you're like, okay, well then, um, thank you. And how do I do that? It's, it's so impossible. You can't replicate anybody else's path or no. their life. You can just take nuggets of wisdom and ideas and take inspiration. And that's why I love reading memoirs or listening to interviews from people. Masterclass is something I, you know, invest in because I just enjoy listening to people at the top of their field talk about their work. And, you know, it's you just got to casually ingest (laughs) and enjoy it and keep working and have patience because it's not about having that one major breakthrough and everything works for you. Even the people who've been doing this for 40 years still try to get that next job. And, you know, they say you're only as good as your last one, but I think it's also, you're only as good as you can keep going. You know, it's about endurance too. Mm-hmm. And we've spent about uh, 40 minutes talking about basically everything industry related. What's some stuff that you do outside of work that you feel like helps you just one it actually helps you professionally that you feel I like can relate to it, but also too just helps keep you sane while you work in this crazy, crazy industry that uh, we all somehow love. That's a great question. 
I love to travel. I spent 10 out of the 12 months last year traveling, which was absurd. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, I can't do that again. I mean, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of personal, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I just love exploring new places and being invested in new cultures and history. And I love food, <laughs> language, you know, and, and just learning about other people and being curious. There was some, oh, there was some director who was speaking. I wish I could cite who it was, but they were speaking at an inauguration and they were going over like the hundred things you should do as a director. And so many of them are just experiencing life and, you know, learning and exploring the world so that you can better reflect that in the art. And so travel is a great one for broadening your scope and opening your eyes. But I also think reading has been a nice grounder to just quiet and, you know, listen to somebody else's thoughts for a minute. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with reading. Um, I get way too much, I get way too stressed to travel like you just did. Um, I think if I traveled for 10 months, I would not be here. But uh, needless to say, I agree with reading. I'm a huge exercise proponent of getting out of my own head and stuff. Um, and my roommates will attest that my showers are far too long for any normal person. But Shower's um, not time. <laughs> yeah, look, I agree. I am with my thoughts. I have a waterproof writing notepad in my shower. Um, shout out to Aqua Notes for anybody who comes up with great ideas in the shower. Um, <laughs> I go through them like water. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they are absolutely fantastic for any writer who uh, need, who writes so many things in the shower. Uh, but no, I, I think that traveling for all the reasons that you just mentioned, though, is probably a really good, just like you said, eye opener to the world and other cultures and other ways of seeing things and doing things that you can better that reflect in uh, artwork, whether it's your writing, your directing, uh, characters you want to showcase, um, nuances and just you know, production design, even you never know what's going to hit you with inspiration. So just sometimes getting out of your room and not watching movies can help you make movies. Yeah, go for long walks. I mean, one caveat I'll say is travel's expensive, like similar to college. I don't I'm not going to say that the end all be all do that because it's not accessible for everybody. But even just exploring your own neighborhood, you know, taking a path that you've never taken before during COVID, that was a huge thing that I would do is go on long walks and just explore my neighborhood because it was the safe thing to do to just get out, get some fresh air and exercise. And uh, I, there's so many moments of inspiration in that, as you're saying, you know, you could stumble upon some location that just inspires you and the way that the light filters through the trees. And then suddenly you have this whole idea that you're like, oh, I have to go home and write this, you know, similar to your shower thoughts. I think yeah. it's just be open to inspiration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, all I can do is agree with that. That's, that's about it. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I get into that argument a lot with people of, you know, I feel like the, some of my friends who spend the most time watching movies are the ones who also make the least amount of content. Whereas my friends who make the most amount of content spend sometimes the least amount of time watching movies. It's this weird dichotomy and I'm still trying to find the right balance. I don't think I have it by any means. But finding the right amount of time of reading, watching TV, watching movies, getting out and doing things, hanging out with friends, networking, uh, having other projects that aren't film related that you're interested in. It's trying to find time for each one of those individual things that all build you to be a better creative and collaborator and then filter that into your artwork. At least that's, yeah. just, that's what I found. That's My hot take is that you should have a personal life too. I know that many people would disagree with that, but can, can you define personal life for me? For one <laughs> I second? know Who, who's she, <laughs> but you were saying, you know, you gotta hang out with your friends. You should spend time with family. If you get along with them, I know not everybody does, but family can be a very beautiful thing. Community, you know, exercising, just having hobbies and a life beyond because it will consume so much, but you will be such a more well-rounded person and more grounded when the work gets tough, if you have other things in your life. <laughs> yes. And to, fit, to finish uh, uh, this off for today, are there any other tips or things that you've kind of learned over the last almost six years at this point, plus the additional years of college that you feel like you wish you had known uh, when you were entering the industry 
uh, to help out the next uh, people coming up? Gosh, that's tricky. I want to think about that one because I think the advice I'd give myself might be different from something I'd give somebody else, but hmm. Well, <laughs> let me throw it to you. Is there advice that you want to give? Because this this will give me a second to really give yeah. a thought. Uh, in terms of me, I would say um, stop being such a uh, get get off my high horse and watch and experience things that I don't necessarily tend to like as much, but I should watch it anyway. Um, even if I know it's not in a genre I necessarily like, or, um, by a filmmaker, I don't necessarily like it. I should still experience it and see what did and did not work about certain projects. Uh, and then, um, just making more time for my own projects very early on out here. I gave all of my time to working on other people's projects because in college you spend so much time working on your own and I felt really crappy honestly about that and I'm like okay my projects are not good enough or big enough that they uh you know that they deserve having somebody uh having this whole team of people work on it let me work on other people's and give back to that and in doing so I overcorrected and uh, just didn't do enough of my own stuff. So I've spent the last couple of years kind of playing catch up with everything else I should have been doing on my own uh, terms. And that gets hard when you're trying to, you know, balance making money plus a personal life, plus trying to get into the film industry. But making time for your own projects is uh, it, it's crucial if that's what you want to do. You know, if if, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to be a director or a writer or producer, um, maybe you don't necessarily need to focus on that, but if you do want one of those types of roles, I feel like making time for your own stuff. And even if you are, um, you know, even if that's not what you want to do, if you want to be part of G&E team, uh, if you want to be part of camera team or any of that other stuff, there's still a use to just finding your own hobbies and passions outside and pursuing that, um, just to make yourself a happier person. Cause I, yeah. I think, uh, one of the things that so many people gravitate towards on set is somebody who smiles. Yeah. Oh, just a good, happy personality who keeps the positivity and that problem solving attitude is indispensable. Like that is the best thing to have on any job. And immediately you will get hired time and again, if that's like step one for you. So yeah. I could not agree more. And it's funny because you know, I was sitting here debating what advice to give, but it's so similar for me. And even this week, I just kind of hit this wall where I thought, you know, I give so much time, energy, and passion to projects that sustain me, especially logistically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, you only have so much. And so I've, I've been trying to reallocate that time and energy and trying to better prioritize my own projects and the things that I really want to be doing. Because like you, you know, I think I got a lot of validation early on and confidence from working on others projects you know like they could trust me with their baby like what an honor um but at the same time i i like you feel almost as though i'm behind on some of the writing i would like to be doing or or even like learning about certain things so you know be intentional is the best advice i can give and and constantly think about where you're trying to go and make sure that that aligns with what you're doing I think that last part is the gem right there. Find <laughs> find the things that align with what you want to be doing and uh, pursue that, regardless of what it is out here. Or even if you're not working in film in general and you're listening to this, uh, how to get into the filmmaking industry and talking to filmmaking uh, professionals at all ranges of the industry podcast. Um, you know, I think it's true across industries. Oh, 100%. Uh, but when it comes to a freelancing industry like this, even more so. Yeah, because you are your own boss. And yep. That kind of discipline can be tough to figure out, especially if you're a young person. You know, yes. you're just trying to understand time management and work-life balance and, you know, how to pay your taxes and do <laughs> adult things. So I get that there's a lot of learning curves to be had, even just moving out to L.A., you know, yeah. working in the industry or even if you do work for a production company, what that looks like. So mm -hmm. there's a lot to learn <laughs> in this life. <laughs> Always more to learn. That's my biggest disappointment. I can't learn it all. 
Oh, well, what a good ambition to have. Lifelong <laughs> ambition to learn. Yeah, there, there's, uh, nobody knows this scene because I feel like everybody, some, for some reason, blocked this movie out, even though I maintain it is, it has its moments. Uh, there's a scene at the end of the fourth Indiana Jones movie, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where the, um, I think she was Russian, uh, lady goes up to the alien and cause it, uh, she, it gives her like one wish almost. It's like, what do you want to know? And she says everything. And then she, it kills her because it, uh, yeah, basically it's starting to, uh, literally, I guess, incept i don't know if that's the right word it starts to transfer all of its knowledge about the universe to her and it's too much and her head kind of explodes um and you know <laughs> uh, i feel like that is a perfect allegory to my life it's okay to not know things you know I, 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 mystical and magical I want to know julia <laughs> i want to know <laughs> of course that's your fashion fascination with uh space and the universe there's yeah. there's infinite unknown Oh yeah, I mean, what what gives you the indication that I'm into space? You know, n none of your apartment or your things or anything. I mean, I literally sent you a photo of Jupiter today that just came out. Yeah, what what part of my decor makes you think I'm into I'm into space? <laughs> uh, <No>. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that being said. Um, is there anything else you would like to do before we wrap this up? Would you? Uh, how can people find you, follow the movie, or anything else that you have going on? So for the movie, there's an IMDb for We Harvest as well as a website. We're probably going to get our social media tightened up as you know we proceed. But obviously, our priority is getting the film off the ground. But definitely keep as an it eye out. Be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep an eye out for the the website, the IMDb updates to come, and for myself at Julia Tranfalia on Instagram. You can look up my website, juliatranfalia.com, see more of my work. Um, I will have all those linked in the description um, for spelling reasons. Yes, there are silent Gs. <laughs> yes. I, for those of us non-Italians out there who don't, uh, who are very much not good at spelling or anybody's names who is not like five letters long. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beauty of Google Meet is uh, we have our nice little names in the bottom. So that kind of helps too. Yeah, well, that's not appearing on the final edit oh. here, though. So all of that will be in the description. Uh, well, Julia, seriously, thank you so much for joining, especially on this first episode. I will absolutely have you back, and I know there's some talk about having you on with a tandem episode at some point and doing some more roundtable-esque ones where we just have a bunch of uh, us on to talk in, uh, essentially, you know, shoot the shit and talk about filmmaking and breaking in and any of that other stuff as we progress in our career trajectories. So I love it. This thank is you. So fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is Julia Tranfalia, the director of video at Thought Industries and of films like Civil Defense, Red Rover, and soon to be We Harvest. Well, thank you everybody for watching and or listening, depending on how you're viewing this podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes, basically anywhere where there's podcasts. The video is on YouTube and we have uh, short videos everywhere else to promote it. So thank you so much for watching the first or listening to the first episode of A Nerdy Journey. And I hope to see you on the next one. Thank you.